I'm gonna fucking bring this up. Don't worry. Okay. Welcome back, Fred. It's been a few days. Um, I want to special shout out to all those people out there, and all by all I mean is I mean it's not like we've been bombarded with like hundreds of emails, but we've gotten your messages. We've gotten the message from you guys. Um, you know we'll we'll try to stick to the schedule and record on Sundays like we usually do but sometimes life gets in the way so thank you guys so much for checking in on us and making sure that we hadn't gone away that Fred hadn't accidentally shot himself with his BB gun um anything like that could have happened he could have froze out in the tundra of rural Canada where he lives uh with his um herd so uh Fred nice to have you back we're recording a little too late so Tom couldn't join us but I mean that's what happens when you have a life so Let's talk about Gennady Golovkin. And I know, let's just acknowledge right off the bat, a couple days have passed. I know this. But the Gennady Golovkin fight this past weekend was Sergei Derevyanchenko, Gennady Golovkin facing an Al Heyman fighter, a guy who's with PBC. Let's not, let's, let's not make light and really, let's put some respect on this fight that it rightfully deserves. This fight delivered in more ways than one wouldn't you agree with that uh yeah sure it was a good fight i mean it was wasn't it it was a really good fight i i was thoroughly entertained by that fight i thought it had a a a really good amount of drama to it as well i mean we go from uh spence and porter and now we go into this i mean we've been spoiled these past two weeks with the fights we've gotten now i know that i'm praising it and Fred, you notice, he's a little short with the words right now because this is not his gimmick. So let me throw this to you and let me set you up properly. How bad was it? Um, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, 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 I'm still shook from uh, the Discord experience there. Uh, I, I, made, I made the mistake of clicking on so I could hear my own voice and oh my God, I sound like a nerd. Well, yeah. Yeah, you, you talk I'm about not. boxing with me for hours on end. You're yeah. a nerd, okay? A, yeah, but not that weird. How bad was Honestly, it for Golovkin? I don't sell like this. I got to get a better setup. You know, I need some, something to truly reflect my masculinity. <laughs> 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 Maybe you should write a 2,000-word piece on why Clarissa Shields needs to clean up her act. Yes, maybe. Uh, no, it was a really good fight. How bad was it? Uh, well, depending. The fight itself was good. Unless you're DAZN and Gennady Golovkin. Because <laughs> essentially everything, like, you know, when people were giving me so much heat for saying that Canelo beat Golovkin's ass, especially that second fight, everything showed up in this fight. Yeah, I, th- I think everything kind of came into focus with this fight. I think things that maybe people were um, deceiving themselves and kind of putting their head in the sand, th- like the, just kind of ignoring the flaws and the cracks in Golovkin that we saw in the Canelo fights. I think now this it's really come clear that, you know what? There's two things, there's two ways to look at it. Either A, Golovkin is done, or B, he was never what we thought he was. I mean, how bad do you think he, like, um, how bad was the beating he took? Well, I'm not going to go so far to get a mob after us. It is bad. Like, you can see his right hand is, like, pretty much shot. 
you know, like he, he can't throw it. He's sitting there hiding behind a jab, which I don't know. Apparently his jab scores more than everybody else in the history of boxing. So I don't know what that is about. Next he couldn't handle the movement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could see like when uh, Sergey would come in and work a pivot on him, Golovkin didn't even know what to do. 100% accurate. You know, he was lost at times on defense. You know, it's like he did not look good at all. But hey, he got the decision, I guess. So, You know, I'll say this. It's hard to be really critical of Gennady Golovkin because he won the fight ultimately. Okay? But he deserves credit because, one, he went 12 rounds with Derevyanchenko. He did enough to win on the cards. Like I, I don't like. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, Golovkin robbed Derevyanchenko." I don't think that was the case. I think Golovkin landed enough hard shots over the course of the fight that he had he had a, a shadow of a doubt that he or no. So yeah, no, it was a shadow of a doubt that he did win the fight. You know, I I I think Golovkin maybe clearly clearly like you can't score those rounds any other way but for Golovkin, I think there was only three of those rounds. And the rest were swing. And with that knockdown, I can definitely see you awarding Golovkin three more rounds and he gets that razor-close decision. But I I think the worst of it was the expectation that we had going into this. And I think this is one of the major things that leads to boxing fans have to backtrack so much. If you notice, boxing fans typically are always... On the defensive, protecting their guys, defending their guys. And then you have a fight like this get signed where, yeah, Drevianchenko was, you know, we know what we had with Drevianchenko, a very small middleweight who had a lot of trouble with Jack Colquet. Coming into this fight, Golovkin should have steamrolled him. No one saw this as a tight fight, and yet it was. And I think the reputation hit for Golovkin. Um, he went from being the guy that Canelo did not want to fight, the guy who beat Canelo, quote-unquote, twice, to now being the guy who went life and death with Sergey Derevyanchenko, whose next fight has already been decided, and it's going to be somebody who is not anywhere close to the level that Derevyanchenko was at. And it's like, wow, the wheels have really fallen off the wagon, put into... Also take into account the, the massive deal that Dazen gave him. And I know that we found out that the deal isn't quite what it was. I mean, Fred, you may be able to do a better job at it. But essentially, it's not $100 million really. It's kind of half of that. And then the rest of it is with inequity in the company, which, I, I mean, I guess is cool. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a kind of... I've, I haven't seen them uh, give him the equity yet in their, any of their filings, so... But apparently it's coming. But I don't know. That's a whole, like, another, we could do, like, a whole show on getting equity into a company like Dazen, you know. Essentially, long and short of it, they're probably just going to give him uh, their internal pricing on shares. But when you're the talent and internally all the directors can just award themselves millions upon millions of shares for zero cost, it's never a good deal, you know. Because here, if you go, if Golovkin does improve their internal or even a buyout, some kind of feature of share price, he's not going to get any of the value that he put into the company. Whereas these directors just gave themselves four-year option 
you know, thing for 35 million shares, you know, so they're going to make out like bandits and he's like, yeah, sure. He might make some money if it doesn't go, like if it doesn't vanish, but he's the guy who did all the work. You know, he's the guy who's getting beat up and just a bunch of dudes in suits are getting rich. So I, I don't like equity arrangements like that, especially with their, the number of different share classes they got within that company. And the way essentially Len Blavatnik, you know, or whatever his name is, he can do whatever he wants almost at any time with the, the way the shares are distributed. So, but, you know, he's, it's, this is, you know, Golovkin's big contract and everything. So, nice. I me, guess roll the dice. Let me ask you this. You watched that fight. I mean, I'm, yeah. I was laughing when I watched the fight because I had people text me. I didn't watch it live. And I couldn't believe what they were saying. So I'm watching it. And the fight was actually worse than what people were telling me. I thought it was just going to be like a a back and forth kind of like Spence and Porter fight where I walk away with respect for both guys. But I walked away from this one just really not feeling confident in Golovkin. And like, I, I think Golovkin struggled in this fight. And do you attribute the struggle, assuming you agree with me and I believe you do, would you attribute the struggle more to the fact that he's just got he's at that point in his career where he's old, or do you think Drevianchenko deserves all the credit here? Uh, I'd say, uh, well, I'm not gonna say oh Drevianchenko did good because Golovkin's old, but it's both. You know, he's in with a, a good fighter, but he's really old. Like you could see, it. like he's he's old in the ring. And, you know, people said, oh, the Steve Rolls fight. Well, that's because, you know, that's acceptable because they thought they were getting the trilogy. But it's maybe that that's all they wanted him to go against so he'd look good, you know. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's both. He's old, and Derevianchenko uh, fought a very good fight. I, I think Derevianchenko deserves a lot of credit here. One thing I'll give Golovkin credit for, and, and I'll give you credit for, so last year... Um, you made the comment that Golovkin has no more right hand. That Canelo had no respect for it. Golovkin couldn't use it to be effective with anything. And essentially, in the two fights with, with Canelo, um, all of Golovkin's success was predicated on convincing you that a jab was worth more than a power punch. And in this fight, um, one thing that became really clear for me is that I looked, I just kind of like, played the highlights of Golovkin's career in my mind. And one of the things that I believe 100% is accurate is that Golovkin's fought his entire career fighting at the same pace. And what I mean by that is no one's ever really pushed him. No one's ever not let him dictate the pace the fight fought was fought at. Now, you may say, well, Canelo did that. In two fights, Canelo employed two vastly different styles, and he was able to do that in both of the fights. But I'll counter with this. Canelo is not a high-paced fighter. He fought at a a pace that Golovkin was comfortable with, and it's why Golovkin had success in those fights. Derevianchenko did something that we've never seen someone do with Golovkin, and probably because Golovkin didn't have the power to really... um, halt Derevianchenko in his tracks and what Derevianchenko did was he fought at a pace Golovkin was not comfortable with he pressed in he walked him down not just walked forward but he walked him down with like intention and Golovkin wasn't comfortable with that 
in exchanges, Jonathan Banks kept saying, not one punch at a time. Golovkin wanted to fight at a slower pace, and he's had stamina issues, which would explain that. Derevianchenko fought at a high pace. And Golovkin, here's what I'll, I'll say what this fight looked like to me. Golovkin looked like a college football team that's like a good team, you know? Take a team in the Big Ten. And they're over there with their 9-0 record. And then they run into an SEC team. Uh, just a good SEC team. Not Alabama. They ran into a good SEC team. And that Big Ten team all of a sudden doesn't look that great. And that's because they are a big fish in their small pond. But things are different at the highest level. Golovkin looked like a guy who'd never been pushed like this. And he was sucking wind. He was not having it to the... He was hurt in the fourth round to the body. He was hurt again in the fifth round to the body. In the tenth round, it looked like he was hurt again. And I think 100% that was because Derevianchenko was willing to throw punches when Golovkin did not want to be doing anything other than just staring. I mean, to me, that's one of the major factors for Golovkin's um, uh, struggle in this fight. Was that Derevianchenko just pushed him. And Golovkin doesn't have the motor for it anymore. Or maybe he never did. There's strong evidence to suggest that he never had the motor for this. Uh, nobody had the power. Like I said, that's why this right hand was so important. And like I said, that's why I'm I'm a little baffled at everyone with his jab stuff. Because even though he has a jab, uh, Sergei was working around it. So how effective is your jab when a fighter can still work past it? I noticed that in the first round. If you go back and watch the first round, Derevianchenko was clearly making a, a, like a concerted effort to slip outside of the jab, and then he would come back and hook to the body. And Golovkin, he was like a statue in this fight. Golovkin could not move. Yeah, like there was points where uh, Sergey was steering him physically. Oh, like for sure. He, he was moving Golovkin around the ring. And that was just like, come on. That's why, like, I'm not a big uh, fan. I'll never say fighters are robbed. But I don't really understand what the basis of scoring was for this fight. I think there's some judges that are almost holdovers from the amateur ranks where they just focus on headshots and they really miss body work and other things. And they miss what's really happening in the fight. Like, this is Sergey's fight. You know, like he was moving Golovkin around. Golovkin's fighting to his pace. Golovkin had his spots, but that's he had to wait for his spots usually. You know, and that's that's why I, I thought it was a little weird. But you know, the decision's a decision. I'm not going to rant about it. It just seemed really weird that uh, it went this way. But you know, to me, I, I think the judging, the expectation that Golovkin was going to come in here and just blow Sergey Derevyanchenko away. I think Golovkin got a lot of credit early in the fight. And I think after the knockdown, and then you you, you factor in the fact that he had Drevianchenko maybe on the verge of getting stopped by some other ring doctor because of that cut. I think the judges, it took them a few rounds to realize that Drevianchenko was in control of that fight. Mannix had the right scorecard, I think. Um, or at least very close to being the right one. He had Drevianchenko um, winning by one round. Which I thought was appropriate. I, th I thought Drevichenko de definitely deserved that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say it was a robbery. I just talked about last week how, you know, it, too often boxing fans spend too much time talking about the scores. And I said it at the beginning. I don't think that this is like an egregious decision. It's totally fine. But I do think Drevichenko deserves a ton of credit in this fight. And uh, 
you know, I, I wonder if like there's a silver lining for Golovkin. We, you like to joke a lot about uh, Golovkin getting hit. I'll let you just, you know, get get your your spot in. <laughs> yeah, well, his silver lining is he's got four fights left, you know, <laughs> and he's busted. So that's his silver lining is that he's going to be juicing the zone for a lot of money, and they're probably going to I don't know. He's like, who are they going to put him in with? You know, they're not going to put him in. They they didn't even want him fighting Andrade before. So are they going to have him fight him now? You know, that's a load. Anyone, they're not going to bring in Charlo, you know, for sure. He's got the IBF belt, so he's like, this is completely done to avoid Charlo, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's a silver lining. You know, maybe they'll give him, and they also, and see, and if he, even if he fights Canelo, this is what it's going to be. People are going to say, oh, Canelo wait till he got old. Even though Canelo wanted nothing to do with the third fight. Uh, the, Apparently that he's already basically locked in to fight Camille um, Surzmeta, which I'm sure is oh, completely yeah. wrong how you say his name. But um, my apologies, um, Camille. Um, Camille's, uh, I guess, the mandatory now. He's coming off a win uh, that was incredibly impressive. Um, on the undercard, he fought Oscar Cortez, who was 27 and 4, who had lost... Two of his last three fights. Um, yeah, Zermeta, he's what? Uh, he looks a little bit too straight ahead, but you never you never know. He might surprise you. Well, and the other aspect is like, well, how much Golovkin do we have left? How far Not gone much. is he from, you know, the Golovkin we saw three years ago? See, this is so long ago, I, I don't have as much goofing on him as I want to be. But, you know, people gave Floyd a lot of shit when Floyd said Golovkin's straight up and down. And I think when uh, Sergey worked those pivots, that's exactly what he was talking about. You know, when <laughs> when you move, when you give him movement, he's like, I, I've never seen... You're, you're talking this guy is supposed to be one of the best middleweight fighters of all time, and he had no idea what to do this when guy this guy changes angles. Yeah, 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 I beat Marvin Hagler. I think Marvin Hagler can handle a change of direction better than Sir or Golovkin. So yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. The other is mandatory. Like if I Kel Brook push, <laughs> yeah, Kel Brook will take on this rematch time. with Kel Brook. I mean, that's legitimately a closer fight this time around. Yeah, it could be. No, I think Brook's even worse shape than him. Uh, yeah, so that's it. They're going to push for a Canelo fight, but I don't think Canelo will want it. You know, I think he seriously just doesn't. He's got no interest in this. He doesn't want to be tied to Golovkin. Uh, what about Liam Smith? Like, if he's aligned with Eddie Hearn, could we see his his career play out as maybe he fights Camille, then he goes to the UK, fights Liam Smith. It's gonna sell out. Yeah, they're not gonna do. Well, actually, that's a Sky Box Office um fight for sure. And then he's a little further down the line, maybe Andrade. At some point, where that's the the cash out fight for for Golovkin, I mean, essentially, it looks like the the plan for Golovkin would be to tread water. Yeah, well, he's got the IBF belt, and there's not many guys over there, you know, that are really uh, free. I came out, I looked at him the other day, and that was it. It's, it's they got a lot of open slots there in their their latest rankings. The, you know, the you other the other thing about Danny Jacobs again or something I was thinking that too but Jacobs is going to 168 and I really don't see Golovkin moving to 168 for I mean I could see him moving but like I can't see him moving to be serious about it 
Well, he said he was moving up uh, eight years ago, so I guess it's just around the corner now. Well, he also said he was moving down. You know, anybody from 154 <laughs> to 160 can get it. Like Floyd Mayweather, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, how how <laughs> hilarious was it at the end when the fans started booing Golovkin right before he was about to talk, and then he was like, guys, come on. <laughs> that was the greatest response to fans booing I have ever heard. That was Golovkin proud, has done it too. again. You know, and people are like, oh, how, how dare they boo him? It's like, what? The, they're booing. They always boo a decision. Some people just say, no, no, they were booing because they couldn't hear the audio. You know? Yeah, yeah. That, that, who was that? Chris Mannix that tweeted that? I'm not too sure who started it. I just saw a couple other people say it. So You're an idiot like- <laughs> if, if you do that because I've been to fights where you can't hear. And you know what happens? Everyone walks out, they don't care. Yeah. Well, this is. <laughs> Now you're getting me wound up. How great was it at the moment when they announced that, you know, like these, they said, you know, from Kazakhstan or whatever, eh, before they announced Golovkin. No one knew what the hell was going on in the ring. Yeah. Like it, it was wasn't just, it obvious. Was dead silent. <laughs> it was dead silent. They're just standing there. And then they announced it, Golovkin, and he was like, there's no reaction from well, the crowd. Well, because like, the whole crowd was Mexican, Golovkin, and they don't speak English. Golovkin <laughs> That's is Mexican. Right. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, he's the Mexican fighter. If they were, if they were like the Caraganda, you know, they'd be like, "Oh, no!" I, I thought that was weird too. I thought something was off with my audio or something because I'm sitting there and they announced the decision. I'm like, "Oh, Golovkin's getting this," and then a couple more uh, seconds pass, and I'm like, "Wait a second. They st- like Drevyanchenko and Golovkin are both kind of like just staring off into the distance, and I'm like, "Wow, these guys don't know that that Golovkin's won the fight." See, that could maybe they're saying that's why they're trying to say there's no audio or something. But even still, the fighters would have heard Lampley. He's like standing or not, I mean, buffer. not Lampley, Buffer. He's they, standing right beside him. Yeah, the one with the tan. So I don't know. It's just, and that's it. Then if it's then if it's audio, it's like, well, this is, I don't know. You guys, I don't know. The whole thing was funny. That 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 was that card. I don't know if you want to talk about the card itself. How much did you watch? Did you watch the fight? I only watched the main event. Oh my god, that card was fucking terrible. I'm behind. Uh, well, there's no, there's no point. There's no point in watching it. Oh, okay, you know? so what happened? It, everything. Well, it's just like the first uh, card of Golovkin's. It's all his, like a bunch of his guys on the undercard, and they they're all easy fucking matchups. You know, like there wasn't a single one that was really in there. And even Maddox was taking shots. He said the same thing that you usually do. You know, when when you knock a guy out that quick, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you haven't learned a thing. That's and, my uh, take that I've been using on the podcast for like three years. I know. He's stealing your, he's stealing your thing, obviously. But I think it was that Aki or Ali Akhmedov. Nikita, oh, uh, Israel uh, Madrimov? No, not, not Madrimov. No, his fight went four rounds. So that was a veritable I think war. and Gabriel Bracero. I know Branchik got a stoppage. I think it was Ali something. Ali. Who? Muhammad Ali. We'll leave it yeah. at that. Keep going. Either way. Yeah, that's what Maddox said after his. He goes, what's even the point of this or something like that? <laughs> but that's because, and this is it. So it'd be a quick fight, and then it'd be like a half hour before the next fight. <laughs> you know, like even Dan was tweeting because people were tweeting him going, what the fuck's going on? Because they were in MSG going, why are we sitting here waiting so long? This sucks. And they even showed like a fourth round. They showed as a filler the fight where Joe Ward gets injured. 
so even their filler was like a, I think a one or two round fight, you know. And so like you know, like sometimes you you can't help that. Like a fights go fast, but this one, the opponents for all of them were so weak that you knew it was. It's just like oh my god, like it was fifty minutes from the Madrimov fighter. <laughs> we're fucking up these names or whatever. That's because okay. I don't even. I don't even have a list, so I can't even. I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not looking either. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It, it was 50 minutes from his, the end of his fight to the start of Golovkin's fight. Like 50 fucking minutes. <laughs> That's like the Canelo Golovkin card. Yeah, but and then they're on the East Coast, you know. So all these guys are always bitching about how Vegas fights and LA fights they start so late. Well, here they got one in New York, and they didn't start the main event till what 11. <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys. Jeez, that, that is some Frank Warren stuff right there. Um, it, was, it was just fucking terrible. You know? Okay, but let me ask you this. If all these fights are ending super early, what's the explanation for that? Because clearly we're, there are some mismatches. So what's the explanation? Well, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're, the mismatches are so bad that that's why they were ending early. Why do you think they couldn't get better opponents? Because uh, they don't aren't paying for them, essentially. Yeah. They either want to showcase these guys so bad, or they don't want to pay for an opponent. That's why this fight was in New York because uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission wouldn't have allowed this. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they would have scratched some of these fights. How, how the tables have turned that we are uh, we're using the Nevada State Athletic Commission as this like like uh, putting them on a pedestal. But I guess when you compare them to the New York uh, Athletic Commission, who's lost millions of dollars. Uh, in fighter safety lawsuits, I guess it works. Yeah, and then they they don't they don't have replay like they have replay instituted for MMA, but they don't have it instituted for boxing. It's like how does that make even sense? You can't just pass one fucking law for the you know one regulation for both sports. It it, it makes no sense because that was it. They were it was ruled an accidental headbutt uh, Sergey's cut. But then they were saying, well, no, they think it came from a punch. But they couldn't overrule it because the referee had made the call that it was an accidental headbutt. It's just, I don't know. It was, the whole thing was funny to me. It was, it was a funny night. You know? It was so weird that uh, the commentary seemed adamant to put over the fact that the punch or the cut was caused by a punch. Yeah, they were losing their minds there. They, were, they really wanted to. But Sergio Mora yeah. did a really good job. I don't know if maybe he doesn't like Golovkin like like as much as he doesn't like Chris Mannix. And <laughs> um, but Sergio Mora was like really trying to like make sure, hey, this action needs to be called. Derevianchenko is in control here. Yeah, no, I I, th- I thought even like I said, even with Mannix's card, you know, I ag- I'd agreed with Max's card. I thought okay, that that makes sense to me. You know, I might even give uh, Sergey one more round. But either way, you know, there's a lot of toss-up rounds. But I th- the call fair, like I said, I think Sergio Moore is really good on these broadcasts, and I'm glad they moved him up for him, you know. I'm gl- well, I don't know. Is is it better with Mannix than it was with Ray Leonard? <laughs> uh, poor Ray. Do I actually? I wonder if they're still trotting him out, like and having him on. Like no, I no, I don't think they are. I was wondering that the other day myself because they just phased uh, him out. Maybe he got busier with Skechers. <laughs> yeah, well, like he does actually have things on the go. He's always out doing something. But yeah, I think they might have phased him out. Okay, well, what about this? So like for for Dazen, do you think it's more important for them to like just try whatever they can to make the Canelo fight, the, the trilogy with uh, Canelo, 
um, because they believe that's like still the biggest fight that they could do? Or do you think that it's a way to cash out and say, you know, this isn't what we think it's going to be, but this is the biggest we're going to do with Golovkin, and therefore this is the only way we're going to make some of our money back with the deal that we gave him? Because at this point, um, I'm starting to look real good when I said that this was the worst contract in all of sports. Uh, yeah, it'd probably be the latter that they're just trying to get it done just so they can say they did it. You know, sort of like saving face because they, they signed them both saying, oh, we're going to give you this fight. And then obviously someone's lawyer pointed out saying, well, you can't force it. You know, <laughs> so so I think they want to get it done just to say they did it rather than them still believing. I know Skipper's doing interviews where he's like, oh, it's still the biggest fight. Uh, I think some of the shine's coming off it now. It's possible that Skipper you never doesn't know. even know what the biggest fight is. I mean, how yeah, would but, he know? But then you never know because no one's uh, seeing Golovkin get <laughs> murked like this. So the general public still might be interested in it, you know? In the history of rematches, how lucrative usually is the third? Uh, usually not very. Especially when you consider that the babyface has already won? Yeah, yeah. I think... Like, how successful was Pacquiao-Bradley 3? Because that's, you know... Well, that, yeah. uh, But I think uh, Pacquiao-Marquez 3 was successful. It it was. But but we're talking Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like, otherwise, yeah, like, Leonard Duran 3 wasn't really, you know... I don't think most... I think most people don't know that they... Wait, wait. Um, Leonard... Yeah, I don't think people know that about that. Yeah, like that was what, I don't know, they didn't fight again until 89 maybe or something like that. How many people <laughs> the, cared about no. um, Hopkins yeah. Jones 2? <laughs> Hopkins Jones 2. So that, was, that was ESPN pay-per-view, guys. I'm pretty sure Leonard Durant fought a third time. Didn't they? Does anyone care? That's the yeah, question. they did. 1989. I'm just, just my own you know, memory. I, 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 I was not having conscious thought at that time. Yeah, no, no one gives a shit, you know, about it really. Okay, where does Derevianchenko go from here? Well, the, uh, this is questions. So, of course, he's going to probably want to get a rematch because he's like, hey, I can get this guy, you know. He's like, I get it now, you know. So so he's going to want that. But we'll have to see if, if he can get it. Get what I'm saying? If if not, he's, I think he's, I don't know, he could probably make, well, here's the other thing. zone's now saying, hey, hey, we're not going to pay these inflated purses anymore. <laughs> it's like you're not going to get the fighters anymore, right? Like what they said. Uh, we know apparently he got four million guaranteed, even though New York doesn't really release him. Uh, but Dan was saying his total package is supposed to be five and a half million. So, wow, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so he did wow. good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he's going to want to get a rematch because he's thinking, hey, I can get this belt. You know, I he like he thinks, hey, you know, especially he's fighting with a cut. He's like, I can get this guy, but if he doesn't get the rematch, I don't know. He's he's a pretty perspective. Uh, uh, he's a good open market fighter, so I think he'll go to whoever is going to pay him. You know, I I think you're right. The best move is the rematch. One hundred percent. I'm 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 with you on that. The rematch is the move, and. It's uh, one other interesting topic, and, and I don't know that we'll get into it, but like, who would be the favorite if they rematched, really? But the the 
if they can't get a rematch with Golovkin, and it doesn't look like they are because the IBF is, we know the way the IBF is, and we're going to go into them a little bit uh, later on another topic. But also with the IBF, um, you know, they enforce their mandatories. And they're already saying there's an agreement in place that Golovkin's going to fight this Camille guy who is his mandatory. So now what do you do? If you're Derevianchenko, I look to see what they're willing to offer guaranteed. And based off of um, how Heyman has um, managed, or not managed, but advised some of his guys, you know, it's not that he's opposed to them fighting off of Fox. And it like Derevianchenko is not a guy who could become a star on Fox. So there's no incentive to keep him there other than to be an opponent for Jamal Charlo. If you could get Drevianchenko, you know, a three-fight guarantee where at some point um, they say you will get your Golovkin rematch or we will we'll put you in the ring with Canelo. We know, we've already known that they can't guarantee that. But if they're, they can get some agreements in place, and they do get agreements like that in place in boxing. Um, we're seeing it with Wilder and Fury. If you can do that, I think you stay there. If they say you're going to get Golovkin again and we want you to fight two more times, then I say, yeah, cool. Fine, I'll take that. Um, what what I think is really clear is that Drevianchenko belongs at this level, and I'll say that I was wrong about him. I didn't think that Golovkin, or sorry, not Golovkin, Drevianchenko could compete at this level. Although, you know, how compromised was Golovkin in this fight, given his age and the and the battle he he's been through with Jacobs and Canelo. But I I like Drevianchenko to stay um, where he's at. I like him to pursue the rematch with Golovkin because. Realistically, I don't see Derevianchenko like unifying the division. I don't see him being char- beating Charlo. I don't see him beating Canelo. So I think like his peak moment in his career would be righting the perceived wrong in this decision with Golovkin. And if he were to come in in a rematch and beat Golovkin, that would elevate Derevianchenko more than anything else he could do at this point. And, and I would include even beating a Jamal Charlo or beating Andrade. I don't think that that would be as vindicating for him as beating Golovkin. And this is probably the most lucrative move for him outside of the, the uh, you know, getting Canelo or something. No, I'd agree with that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I think Golovkin's a guy he can take out. But then, yeah, I'd, I'd agree that, yeah, he's not a world beater by any stretch there because we, we have seen him struggle with, you know, average fighters himself. But it'll see, you know, it'll be Keith Conley, Al Heyman seeing, you know, <laughs> if they could juice some more money out of the zone for him. Yeah, and Derevian, and you got to consider something, um, and why it makes sense for Derevianchenko to, to go over here for this fight. Derevianchenko can't really promote himself. There's not much you can do, like, with some Fox preview show that's going to get people hyped to see Derevianchenko fight. It's just, look at his name. It's hard to spell. It's hard to say. He doesn't speak English. So... Go with what you can guarantee. You can guarantee the money with the, uh, the Golovkin rematcher. Even fighting Andrade, I think that would even be worthwhile. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like the move for Drevinchenko to stay put and just get the get the rematch with Golovkin. And and I do think that he's gonna, he will win. Um, realistically, do you think that Drevinchenko's next opponent is going to be tougher than uh, Camille will be with Golovkin? Uh, I don't know. Uh, sorry, I got distracted right there by uh, just finding out that uh, Leonard and Duran three actually they made a lot of money off. That. Of course they did. Yeah, but well, we're talking about were they successful? This one was a. You mean uh, Leonard made fifteen million and Duran made seven and a half? <laughs> okay, well you know. I'm just saying they're all a bunch of old busted ass men by that point, you know. 
Yeah, but the, the, that's that's like Floyd and Manny fighting uh, in a few years. <laughs> yeah, the third. It fight. would still do major money. Uh, what was the question again? Is Drevinchenko's opponent, is... his next opponent, going to be tougher than Camille's going to be for Golovkin? <laughs> oh, oh God, I don't even know. That's that's too much. I, I, until they name an opponent, I don't know. You know, I, I can't. That, that's too. That's too far down the road. That's too much boxing prediction i'm not that big of a predictor so i know you you, you hate this but you should yeah. just at least write or just say the joke uh answers you put on the rundown oh <laughs> at least just say something this guy like I, so i craft out what the topics are going to be and how we're going to approach I know, it but it, i mean I, we don't I script what you. we're saying but generally you know, I lost he knows all my fire, where i'm man. going it's, and this guy's it's, like it's steve rolls rematch <laughs> you don't like steve rolls rematch Golovkin is washed. <laughs> he is washed. Well, that's why I'm saying I don't know because this is it. Golovkin could, might look good against his mandatory because that guy they might hate him up, but he I don't know. That Zermana. When I was looking at him, I go, "Well, this is a guy who's probably going to come straight at him." So this this might do Golovkin some good. So, and I don't know who Sergey is going to be fighting next because odds are he'll get a tougher fight than Golovkin will. I, I think so too. I think so too. Um, but that's it. Okay, I, okay. Now I'm looking at my Joe catchers. Yeah, because that's it. Because you know, the zone might try to protect Golovkin to limp him to the the next fight. You know, to the Canelo fight. So he's so he's, so he's got this mandatory. <laughs> I don't know. They'd have to do Canelo the third one next September because you wait any longer. And um, Golovkin's going to be retired. He's going to be in the old folks' home there at his rate. How'd you enjoy seeing movie trailers between rounds? Is that what you expect <laughs> when you're paying 20 bucks a month for the service to see uh, trailers? <laughs> wow. Well, this is what you expect to see when they're paying a guy, uh, you know, 20, what, $21 million between the two headliners and your gate's probably less than $2 million. You got to make the money up somehow. You know, and we we saw this with the uh, Pacquiao Thurman fight when they even put those movie trailers in, you know, because that's it. It's they're trying to cover the the guarantees. I thought there'd be more ads actually for DAZN. I, I didn't think they would put it between rounds. I thought they would put it like between the fights. Yeah, but you know they're trying to get that prime prime dollar. I thought they would have had more ads because there was fucking nothing going on for forty minutes between fights. <laughs> Yeah. And they they got a whole ad network, you know. The zone does. They, they got a side an infomercial. Oh, they should have done something. They got poor Pat McAfee out there trying to fill time. Um, I I one of the things I really didn't like about the broadcast was they kept using the spider cam, which just really like it, it kind of took all the steam out of the knockdown in the first round. It just kind of like you're you're a little further away from the action when you when they go to that shot. And they do it for extended periods. It, it, it's no good to me, I don't think, at least. Um, let's see. What did you think about the the writers being featured on the broadcast? I fucking hate it. Oh, my God. There's nothing more that I hate than having writers be used to pump up fights or talk about during, a, during, during the event. You've said in the past that Mike Coppinger is good on TV. Why did I say that? <laughs> Come on. Tell us what you really think. How how uh, see this is it? If you would have got me on Sunday, I would have went in on <laughs> went on uh, 
Coppinger hard. Coppinger talks very strange. I'll say that much. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like he breathes at the wrong times. Yeah, he, he talks like a hyperactive kid, you know. He's, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, I've, I've said Coppinger seems a little off to me, you know. And not just, I'm not going to say, off? I'm not going to say there are bodies in his crawl space, <laughs> but I'm saying if they ever found him, I wouldn't be surprised. Who's more likely to have something buried in their backyard that is illegal, Mike Coppinger or Sergey Kovalev? <laughs> I knew you were going with Kovalev. <laughs> well, we know that's a fact. It's going to be Kovalev. Because there's at least somebody's cell phone in his backyard. Uh, buried right next to the tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy's always grabbing something. Uh, and, and it's not always stewardesses on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I don't like it. Like I said, they had uh, IDEC and they had Coppinger. It, either be a pundit or be a writer. You know, and I know, well, the, the, I think Isaac said he didn't even get paid for it. And then people were making fun of him for that. <laughs> He's working for free trying to chase clout. Yeah, it's like, Jesus, even boxers get extra money when they're broadcast. <laughs> it's, so, yeah, I don't like it. I, I, it just, it, that's just like an HBO holdover. It's like, I don't get why DAZN keeps wanting to do so much HBO stuff. Other than the fact that I think everyone from HBO is working there now. Well, I believe it was Ken Hirschman when he took uh, when he took over HBO. One of the things that he did was to hire the the writers that were critical. And so now that you got these guys, you're paying these guys. They're <laughs> writing what you say. Yeah, and yeah, he did he did that with Hauser, right? Yeah, and so yeah, Hauser became a special consultant because he was the one leaking all the stuff about how HBO was going down the shitter. Oh, and and also pumping up whatever HBO said, like Vada. Yeah, yeah, they were all in on that scheme. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I I think one thing maybe, and, and so look, this is flawed. Okay, if if this is indeed what they're doing, and we just this is our sense of it, but not for sure. We, you know, we're not in there. We don't know what they're actually trying to do. But um, what we see is like they're trying to win over hardcore fans, the the hardcore fans who dictate who's pound for pound number one. These guys, okay. They're trying to get that sort of HBO, like, we have the prestige fighters in the sport. They may not be the most popular, but they're the best. And that works in some regards, but, like, how much does it work? Because you wind up putting yourself in this in this hole where your most popular fighters, or sorry, your, your best fighters are not necessarily, and the ones that you put front and center aren't necessarily the most popular. Like a Roman Gonzalez. And now, like uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, somebody like that, who, you know, extraordinarily talented, but people don't tune in. It's It's been proven. And, and HBO saw themselves die because they went with this route. Yeah, like HBO couldn't get viewers, and they had uh, over 30 million in the U.S. alone established viewers. So they couldn't get people that were already paying to, for boxing to watch. So now when you try to make those type of fighters your headliners— yeah, it's just it's not gonna work. I don't know. You it just because it, it just it gives me flashbacks. Like the first time I can remember HBO doing this was when Roy Jones Jr. had that big contract with them, and they would get Burt Sugar on to talk about how great Roy Jones Jr. was, and then hopefully you forgot how terrible his opponents were. You know, so I just <laughs> that's all. It, it just I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. Um, 
it'd be like having uh me on you know we'll see if you're in talk boxing but yeah but it'd be it'd be like well i'll do it if they give me money but uh yeah i'm not so gonna do I. it for free the guy dick you know we don't we, I'm not we don't hold ourselves up there yeah exactly but we don't truly know anything you know no one really does unless you're like a boxing trainer or like a former boxer. Some guys can relate that. What are you talking about? So like, I, I know a lot of people on Twitter that know a lot. Yeah, but but I'm saying it's just, it's just a weird presentation because it's like what insight are they going to give? Because all these guys do is, is repeat what promoters and PR people have told them. We'd actually be better than that because we actually we come up with an original thought or two. You know, like all Coventry does is like he retweets whatever Eddie Hearns <laughs> sends him in a text message. You know, his sources love. You know, it's just uh, they just. I so hate what it. you're I, saying I is it. basically this is why um, this is why the NFL doesn't put Jay Mariotti on their broadcasts. Uh, yeah, or Woody Page. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have no clue who I'm talking about. I sort of record you could have made those names up, but I sort of <laughs> Woody Page. I think I know, but I know. they're on around the horn. One not yeah, so yeah. much anymore. Well, well, there you go. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> that's why. Uh, what did I say? Well, here's the thing: isn't there a conflict of interest? Like it, Mike Coppinger, Keith Eidek are journalists. Well, and... that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there is a big conflict of interest. You know, because like. It, there always is, and it's just, it's just, this has been going on for boxing a long, long time, and it's just a bit more of the creep, you know, and that's it, if you're not getting paid, then it's even worse, like, I thought, I thought well, if these guys are at least getting money, you know, because writing's a tough gig out there for some, a lot of these guys, so you got to get it where you can. Not if you're with the you Athletic, know? 70K yeah. plus benefits. Yeah, I guess. Hit us know, up. Real. Brian Campbell, he's like, man, he's getting paid for <laughs> by everybody, he's, you know. Brian Campbell's like, I ain't doing nothing for free. Yeah, exactly. He's out there doing anything. I just, it's just, yeah. So you got a conflict of interest, but every every site, you know, is basically owned by somebody in the sport. So it's just, it's just even worse. I don't know. Like I said, I don't, it just it creeps me out. It creeps me out. Plus, what are they going to say that? That's the thing too. Is like, there's no insight from these guys. Right. They don't say nothing. That's. I think that's what annoys me the most is that they don't say nothing. We are the only pure outlet left out here. We are. We everyone's stealing our takes, man. They're man, terrible. Chris Mannix is going back to podcasts from three years ago and repeating things I was saying. Yeah, yeah. I only was good with the bar line about you know if the boxers get paid, who cares? Yeah, now he's repeating that. Lance Pugmire was eavesdropping on a conversation you and Tom were having about Clarissa Shields. <laughs> oh wait, sorry. That was that was that was Steve Kim and someone else who I cannot name who were having a conversation. Man. Uh, you know what? We're going to save that. We're going to save the Clarissa Shield stuff because that that is uh, definitely something we should talk about. Okay, so moving on. Um, Kubrit Pulov is um, interestingly trying to prevent the Ruiz-Joshua rematch from taking place. At least taking place for the IBF title. So Pulov is the mandatory challenger for the IBF title. And, um, Fred, what exactly are they arguing? Because it kind of reads like what they're trying to argue is that they could could not legally make an agreement to do a rematch since Pulov rightfully had the next shot at the IBF title. 
Yeah, okay. So this uh, information, Paul Gift, MMA Analytics on Twitter, if you guys want to follow him, he does a lot of the UFC antitrust stuff. He found these uh, this filing from yesterday that came in, uh, one of the New York District Court. So Pulev, back in August, he wanted to be declared that he would get a shot at the winner of AJ Ruiz. So this is what he put uh, to the IBF. He wrote them, you know, saying, hey, you know, I don't want to enforce my mandatory status with the IBF. So if you guys uh, give me the agreement that I get the winner, then I won't put forth any further legal action. And of course, they basically, they don't give a shit. (laughs) That's not going to happen. So now they're trying to angle... It's a little tricky because there's a little bit of legalese. They sent a letter to the judge when Andy Ruiz was sort of waffling on making the fight. Matchroom put that lawsuit in against him. You remember that? I do. Okay. That was so the there was a f- open and shut clay, open and shut case. Yeah. So actually, Matchroom let it go when Ruiz or whatever they said. Well, Ruiz they just paid him a little bit more money or something. But anyway, they still filed that thing. That agreement, uh, they put sort of a seal on it. Like they say, okay, we don't want that in public thing. But the, the judge was like, uh, he had a ruling saying, I will put a temporary seal on it, but I don't see any reason why this information should be sealed. Because usually original complaints aren't sealed. You know, they, they are like the original complaint or whatever. Throws are usually public information you can find on Pacer. So they said, okay, you, give me your arguments by the 30th August, and then we'll decide whether this stuff has to be sealed or not. Well, they dismissed that case. Like they said, they said, okay, we we settled our differences. So they dismissed the case. But the thing was still under seal. So now because the IBF and like no one's guaranteeing Pulev that he gets the next shot at whoever, like either Ruiz or Joshua, they're trying another tactic saying, well, we believe that the rematch uh, clause is uh, not up to IBF standards. Like IBF has their regulations. Right. So they're saying the IBF regulation, basically Ruiz asked them for an exception so he could fight Anthony Joshua. Because if you guys remember after Fury uh, beat Klitschko, they had a rematch agreement, but the IBF stripped Fury because they said, well, wait, that wasn't cleared with us. They didn't strip him because he said racist stuff. Uh, No, shockingly enough. No. (laughs) Or because he was, uh, failing a drug test no 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 not that either oh they They, were just enforcing their rules they were enforcing their rules so this is sort of what uh now this is pulev's latest uh gabble was saying they wanted the information that was uh under seal uh they sent a note to the judge saying this stuff shouldn't be under seal and we're trying to get the information because they're talking tomorrow with the ibf uh, they're they're not really suing the IBF yet. It's, it's more that they're still they're trying to enforce their position that as a mandatory, uh, a mandatory, they should get a shot, and that uh, the rematch, at least for the IBF belt, should not be part of the rematch because the only reason that Andy Ruiz uh, asked for the ex- the exception to not fight as mandatory was because of this rematch clause, which uh, combining two of the regulations under the IBF's rules cannot happen you know like it, it like uh you can't ask for an exception if it's part of another contract you know like that's at the current champion 
So it's so it's kind of a they're they're just using regulations against the IBF, which a lot of people like to do because the uh, the, the fallout from when uh, Bob Tom said that, yeah, top rank the lawsuit back when uh, you know the FBI revealed. just raided their offices because they <laughs> yeah. were paying off the IBF. Yeah, and all the other things, you know, those other things. Uh, this is why IBF. I don't know uh, what happened, but they might be under a condition where if they sort of violate anything again, and people come after them, that the federal, the FTC will be like, "Hey, you guys are now we're going to dick you over." Because <laughs> it's just like when uh, uh, Ludabella pushed Golden Boy and then made the IBF strip Canelo. It's sort of like they, they really follow now the regulations because they don't want to get involved with the federal government again. So this is what there's uh, Pula's team is sort of trying. Uh, we don't know because, like I said, this this request for the the agreement between Matchroom and Andy Ruiz, this just happened. It just We just saw yesterday that the judge said, yeah, uh, the I believe it's kind of tough to tell because the judge's handwriting is like fucking horrible. <laughs> but he's, he's sort of saying, yeah, there is no reason why it should be under seal. But he was giving the the both parties a chance to argue why it should be. So that's the case we're sitting in right now. So it could get a bit more interesting. So so what Pulev's team is basically going for a long shot to at least get the IBF to strip. Andy Ruiz. Right. That's what it sounds like to me, because uh, for those of you who maybe oppose the matchup between Ruiz and Joshua in Saudi Arabia, um, I don't think this jeopardizes it. I think the only thing that this jeopardizes is that the IBF title is going to be on the line. Um, I also don't necessarily think that this will happen because it seems like this might take a while before and, and, and the results might actually come after that fight. And in which case... Then it poses an interesting question of if they would retroactively say, well, we're going to strip you anyway, Ruiz, and or make a deal that says like, oh, well, you know, you get to fight Ruiz now, assuming Ruiz or Josh, or actually the winner, um, whoever wins, saying now you have to make the fight with these guys, um, or it would actually be to them. You have to make a fight with Kubrick Pulev now because we do have to give him his mandatory shot, which is yeah, technically like going to happen either way. <laughs> yeah, but that's what, that's what I'm saying is that... Uh... This meeting that Pula is having with the IBF is happening on Thursday, the 10th of October. And this judge's orders, he was asking both sides of the matchroom and TGB, because that's who they sued. Uh, I believe it would have happened today, maybe, for the lawyers to do it. See, these things won't be really, uh, these things can happen pretty quick. Actually, it could happen before the rematch because they'll push the IBF to say, hey, you got to give us a decision now. But basically, they're just trying to take a chance, try to find out the information. Uh, that if Ruiz was forced to ask for the exception, then essentially he wasn't doing it on his own. He was being forced by a third party, which would have been Matchroom and everything. So the the joke kind of is, is that Eddie Hearn might have fucked up uh, getting all the belts, a chance to get all the belts back because he tried to sue Andy Ruiz for not agreeing originally to go to Saudi Arabia. So it, it's just a bit of a tangle. So uh, essentially, do you think that Eddie Hearn could get in trouble? Uh, well, no, no, not in trouble. Like no one's really going to get in trouble. The thing is, is that if this clause is in there, the only thing is, is that Pulev's team can push and say, hey, this exception that Ruiz was granted should have not been granted. And the IBF odds are they'll cave and say, yeah. 
And so then it becomes a case where they're going to either gonna strip Ruiz if he goes ahead with the rematch, because I don't think Ruiz can get out of the rematch. You know, like no. I said, this this thing won't be enough. Because there's for him only to get one rematch. sanctioning body, too. Yeah, yeah, and so and the rematch clause are kind of things that are outside of the sanctioning body. So for Pulev, essentially, they're trying to grab a belt, and, and it looks like it's going to be pretty easy for them to do it. If yeah, if 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 of course, if Ruiz was doing this at the request or had to, you know, because that's it. They're sort of they want to get to see the language of what Matchroom was. Uh, their base of their lawsuit to see if they sort of said Ruiz has to ask for the exception. If that was part of the language in there, because only the champion of the IBFs can ask for the exception. So it, it, it yeah, it's, it's a bit of a legalese and it might be tough for people listening to sort of follow along, but uh, I don't know if you, you sort of, if you're used to like reading legal language and knowing the, like where arguments can be made, it's, it's just kind of straightforward. It's just tough to explain. Essentially, I, I guess- who lives? Yeah. Pula's trying to grab a belt. That's really, and he's trying to use the IBF regulations against it. And like I said, I still find it funny again because this might be Eddie Hearn fucking up because he wanted to sort of draw a line in the stand and say, hey, Ruiz, you got to do this rematch. Because remember, Ruiz is waffling and saying, I don't right. want to go to Saudi Arabia. They so filed the lawsuit. The thing up. Yeah, and that's why. And because they filed the lawsuit, they might have fucking lost the IBF belt. But. Right, because now <laughs> Pool of Steam has like some clear cut. Uh, evidence on their side. Well, they have to get, they're all trying to get the agreement because the agreement's under a temporary seal, which the judge did say, I believe he said the seal isn't valid unless you can give me a good reason why it should be sealed. You know, so, so that's, that's, that's where we're at. And then probably, well, we might find something out soon, but maybe not, but essentially, yeah. So it's just a little bit of drama. So, so uh, we can move into some more drama. So I, the Clarissa Shields um, weigh-in, uh, there was an incident, and then we got an article from The Athletic about how Clarissa Shields really needs to clean up her act, her narrative, blah, blah, blah. Um, anything you want to say about this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Saying it's an incident, but then I guess uh, uh, when they did that, uh, what's his name? That Emhoff did that... Uh, podcast with a dude from mtk global and he goes there were some incidents at your previous weigh-ins it's like yeah a guy pulled an ak-47 and killed someone so i guess it would be an incident yeah so so yeah so so this uh trainer her opponent's trainer got uh, sucker punched by a dude and he ended up going to the hospital and somehow lance pugmire wrote this really weird bizarre uh story about how clarissa shields is totally at fault Right, that's how it came off to me too. And some of his language selection in there, like he goes, Clarissa Shields' narrative of <laughs> surviving abuse. It's like she says she was abused. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, she, it's like, like we're going to give her the benefit of the doubt that she said she was sexually abused as a child, but we don't know. You know that it's just it was really weird. His language is there. Essentially, he really wanted to chastise. Clarissa Shields, and it's time for her to act like a champion and everything. It's like she had fucking nothing to do with this. Correct. This old dude, the trainer, he was popping off at her sister, I believe it was. That's what I understand it to be, too. Yeah, and and her her sister's a lesbian because most people thought it was a guy originally because he's a little... (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, it it was she wasn't wearing high heels and a dress. 
you know, she's just wearing a jacket supporting her sister there. They So, like, I guess he was trying to see the scale or something, and they started jawing back and forth, and he just started yelling at her, and he's yipping at her. You can see it on Fight Hype as it carries out. So they, uh, like, I uh, believe they left the room. Clarissa Shields and her sister left the room, and he's still sitting there in his chair uh, popping off and yelling at her, saying he's going to beat her ass and everything. And so her brother came over and dropped the dude. So mm-hmm. you had a, a male... Threatening a female with physical violence. Yeah, like I said, of course, this isn't something that should be condoned or something that should happen. But people act like Clarissa Shields is the one that punched the dude. He had nothing to do with it. You know, sure, there are relatives, but it's not like she said, hey, go over there and stomp this guy. The guy, he just did it on his own because this guy's yelling at his sister. So he's like, oh, it's Flint, Michigan. Come on. Well, I, I think that's one of and the that big disconnects. That, no, but that's a big disconnect <laughs> between known. a guy like like Lance Pugmire and then what's actually out there. The reality is Lance Pugmire don't come from uh, some situation like this. He don't know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. But then he's but but, but the writers are the ones who pass off judgment. And yeah, it's, like look, a... look, Clarissa Shields would not have taken up boxing. Uh, if she was some, you know, brilliant, you know, valid Victorian in high school, of course not. No boxer comes from that. I mean, there, there might be a few exceptions, Chris Algieri, but the vast majority of boxers, the all time greats, they, 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 they literally fought to be in the position that they were in and they like, they <laughs> yeah. literally fought. Options are limited on their futures <laughs> for a lot of these boxers. Not everyone, but the vast majority of boxers come from impoverished backgrounds. Right. You know? It's just it's just the way it is because other you know when you got other options punching people or getting punched usually is not a thing that people pick. So so yeah, like it's 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 just the weirdness of how Clarissa Shields now become this savage attack on her because people don't. Well, here's the here's the weirdest thing in this fucking article. So he's writing and then he's talking about Clarissa Shields. Yeah, she's accomplished some things. But when, you know, sometimes around the ring, some of my colleagues say she's not a good person. <laughs> it's just a fucking, that's, that's a gossip lie. That's just fucking idiotic to put into an article about a, a fighter and an incident. It, it's like me. Look, I, I keep it real on this podcast. Yeah. I've listened ringside to writers talking about grand conspiracies in boxing to, um, this is legit, to keep down Eastern European fighters. Think yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> this is a legitimate writer that probably most of you follow. Not only that, let's say, on, <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you on Patreon if you want to know who it is. <laughs> um, I've, I, I'm not, I, I don't even know if we should go down this road. But, yeah, but, the, but the, otherwise, but no, but other people, and again, again, you know writers who sit there and they say they don't like Bud Crawford. A lot of those guys who are yelling about uh Crawford or Spence needs to fight Crawford. They don't like Crawford. They don't like Crawford. So, but you're not going to put that into an article about say, okay, Errol Spence fighting Sean Porter (laughs) or or something. Say, there's also Terrence Crawford, who many people on ringside will say they don't like him. (laughs) Yeah, it it was just it, it was so fucking weird, you know. Apparently he's edited some parts. I think he took. Oh, he took the narrative out because that was it. Clarissa Shields' narrative of being an abuse survivor. It's like, what? Look, who's who's going to lie about that? What do you gain from that? 
But it's not that it was a lie. It's like, yeah, like she was sitting back with like a PR person saying, hey, this is, you know, let's let's whip up this story. And this is going to be her central focus. No, she was like, just, when people, you know, find out her backstory, she says, this is it, you know. These are the things that happened to me. She's not the one sort of trotting it out all the time. She mostly says, I just, you know, you can survive anything and get past it. She's not one sitting here harping about, you know, this is what's held her back in life. She's more like, no, I've succeeded because of this, right. like beyond this, this isn't me. You know, I'm more than just these incidents in my past and everything. So, so yeah. And then they're jumping on it, but she didn't even know what was going on. So people are using her social media responses. It's because she had no clue that this dude got jumped that bad. It's like, oh, but you should have known because your brother did it. It's like, <laughs> sometimes when people talk like this, it's like, do you even exist in the real world? You know, my brothers have been up to all kinds of stuff, you know, and it's like, I won't know what they're doing right now. You know, the the other thing is like, look, how often do the most popular boxers have this abrasive, and, and we can even extend it to MMA, they have abrasive exteriors where they do things that get them into trouble. Conor McGregor, the biggest star in the UFC, this dude's over here throwing dollies through um, bus windows, punches an old man. At a bar. Where's the article about how Conor McGregor needs to do better? He needs to get his people in line. He needs to leave the people behind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and like I said, he's, he's been accused of doing even worse. But he gets like puff pieces things. But I don't think, I don't want to go down this like, this, uh, equivalence to other people or anything you know i think the story's better with just the reaction to clarissa shields herself because this dude got it but the, you know that's it her brother's like you know he's a guy from prison it's not you can talk shit to his sister everyone on twitter you always talks about how tough they are and, and this is the problem this this is what happens in real life you know no one cares that you're seven years old if you're going to be popping off some dude's sister you know that's what happens out there in the real world so so it's always just it's just the thing that I, I think keeping it just this this Pugmire article which is so far off base trying to blame Clarissa Shields for everything when you know unless she unless she did tell her brother to go out there and beat up an old dude then you could say yeah okay she bears some responsibility but then to say that she has to cut these people out of her life and all this that's just like, the fuck is just stupid no but also remember. This stuff usually helps more than it hurts. Terrence Crawford threw a punch at a weigh-in. Okay, he threw, he threw a punch at a weigh-in. This is his highest rated fight. The most watched ESPN fight in, a, in, in years oh, now. That was the Benavidez one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Did a huge number. And yet Bob hasn't cut ties with him. You got to make this real. I've talked about this in the past. If is if people don't have the illusion that what they're watching is real, they're not going to tune in. Well, Tyson Fury just beat up a bunch of security guards on wrestling, and you know, like no one's giving him. I, I mean, look, the reason why that that wasn't realistic was because he hit somebody and they went down. <laughs> I st- I stole that joke from Twitter. Somebody made that joke. I was like, oh, I this is good. <laughs> this Who is cares? Good. good jokes, good joke, baby. Yeah, of course. See, the, it's just, of course, as serious as it is, you've got this old trader who, who's been around, like he's got ties to Kronk and everything. 
But if he was not 70 years old, like if he would have been a 30 or 40 year old dude saying the shit he was saying, I don't think there'd be as much sympathy there, you know? If it was a world star video, people would be just laughing at it, going, "Yeah, that's what you get," you know. So, so it is. So, so it's, it's a shame that you know he's in that condition. But again, it's you know, the court's on it. But yeah, the way people are attacking Clarissa Shields over it, you know, it's just like Jesus. Yeah. Well, in her place since her fight got canceled uh, was Jaron Ennis. Jaron Ennis looked good. Um, he got a stoppage. Um, not much to say about this. Jaron Ennis is still on his way up, and it'll be interesting to see um, where he ultimately winds up because you get to thinking that maybe Ennis is part of the next wave of really good fighters, and maybe his name should be alongside Gervonta Davis and Chris Colbert and, and Devin Haney. Um, anyway, so John Skipper did this interview um I wrote a lot of quotes down, but I don't really think we should go over it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What was what do you think is the most interesting thing from this John Skipper interview? <laughs> well, was it the part where he just uh, pontificated about how people use all kinds of different operating systems on their phones and they need to be prepared yes. for that? Yeah, because we both got a huge kick out of that. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh but, yeah, because because you know, I you're I'm on a Nokia and you're on a BlackBerry in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like essentially, yeah, he's saying, you know, he's saying a whole lot of nothing, you know. Uh, the only the only thing of any interest was saying, he's pretty much saying they didn't want that fight going to Saudi Arabia, and they don't know why it's in Saudi Arabia, you know. They're so, not adding anything for the next two years? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. They're essentially going to wait till 2021 when a lot of the sports rights start to come up. But they're saying they're going to be like a, uh, they're going to, you know, stick with boxing and combat sports and Bellator. But, but yeah, just to make over that joke, uh, there's a whole, and it's like three paragraphs that they devoted in the one story to it, where he's talking about the uh, people on different devices. You know, you have to address, you have to change your, your service to address how these different devices, you know, view the, the streaming services. And, and those are arguments from six to seven years ago. You know, like I said, when all these people had all these different operating systems, those are things web designers had to worry about back then. So I just found that funny. It's like, what? It's like, that's not what you should be worried about now. It shouldn't take up three paragraphs of a story. You're talking about how web browsers have to react to different devices. It's like, that's an argument that, you know, everyone understands now. I also like that he said that um, the first Logan Paul and KSI fight did 1.7 million live viewers. Yeah, globally, global, globally, live viewers. So, yeah. like, it did less than some. It did less than Crawford Benavides did in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, <coughs> excuse me, because <laughs> a lot of those viewers were on Twitch, like me, watching it. Actually, I only watched like around and then I changed it off. Yeah, because because then you realize like, ah, oh, this is actually kind of bad. Yeah, they're still pushing that thing, and uh, and this is where you got to goof on writers again, you know, because these guys, you you talk about okay, Mayweather Pacquiao, that the monster success that was, and then everyone shit on it, saying all oh, the fight was you know too old, it was two years, they're both you know it wasn't that great. That was a great technical fight, 
you know, whether people think it was or not, if you don't think that was a great fight between two highly skilled boxers, you better go watch that thing again. You know, because we, oh. we've talked about that before on the podcast. So neither one of them was, <laughs> that's why nothing happens because neither one of them was falling for their traps. Right. You know, these are, these are two guys who like built their entire careers on setting up traps and they could spot them, you know, when they're in the ring. So, so you're not going to get a war at that point. You were going to get a war earlier, you know, would have been whatever. But you look at the global success of that and no writer, they just shit on it, you know. All these, all well, boxing's embarrassed and all this stuff. And then they tried to use Floyd versus Birdo as a sign that, oh, yes, the fans turned their back on this. Yeah. And then Mayweather McGregor, again, it is another massive event. You know, the only two fights to ever do over 4 million pay-per-view buys. None of these writers were talking about, oh, the the people this fight was going to reach. You know, the new viewers this fight was going to reach. Bringing people in. But yet for this fucking jerk-off fight between a rematch between two YouTube guys, it's like, well, no, this is very important because this is going to reach the kids. It's you interesting know? because, like, Dana White was one of the mouthpieces for the first uh, Floyd and, and McGregor fight. Or not the first, but the only Mayweather-McGregor fight. That's and uh, Dana White didn't even talk about this stuff. And even if he did, it, it did not stick. But now Eddie Hearn is saying it. And like it's like a talking point we're seeing across social media. And like the articles that are being put out. I mean, Lance Pugmire wrote this. Uh, you know, interesting that his name's coming up again. Wrote this long piece about how, you know, we should just shut up and like this fight. Because of what it's going to bring to boxing. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, are you guys fucking crazy? <laughs> you know that was the weirdest thing Floyd is like like I said again we use Floyd because this is a direct uh, it's still fresh from when Floyd is fighting and these guys shit all over Floyd you know even though he was the most popular pay-per-view boxer you know of all time and they would say Floyd's destroying the sport <laughs> why by having people watch it it, it was it was so fucking weird so yeah now this KSI thing I, I don't know if Eddie Hearn's got like uh, blackmail on these guys or something <laughs> or then they're supporting this because it, it's really weird because even Maddox is going about oh it's going to be sold out and everything the fucking tickets aren't selling you know like they're selling decent but <laughs> they're selling worse than Spence Porter you know and they're cheaper uh, so. have they opened up the whole Staples Center no no same same as they always do you know you, you start with the four tops levels and everything you know they, they've got I think uh, they've got Sort of the main section sold, not the floor. Right. The floor's got still a shitload of things there, but the two lower level sections, you know, you're sort of north south, your main ones where you got the best seats, those are pretty much sold. And there's one more, you know, and those tickets it's on the corner is only like 60 bucks or something, you know. This isn't like a hot ticket that the kids are dying to get, you know. I don't think people understand how much kids sort of are passive viewers to a lot of this shit. Because you know, they can just watch it on YouTube. Going down to a stadium, uh, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of these kids might be shut-ins. <laughs> you know? a, a lot of these kids want to watch the reaction video of the fight. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll be down to watching someone talk about the fight, not the actual fight. They, nobody cares about watching the actual fight. People care <laughs> about how to think about yeah. the fight. Yeah. So, so like I like I have no problems with the fight itself. But this idea that this is going to be their linchpin to get, an, it's just like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Yeah. Are, are, yeah, it's like, do you guys realize you're airing Canelo Kovalev? 
<laughs> like that's it. They had they had Canelo. They sent him to a huge fight, and then they spent this entire year basically fucking shitting on him in the press because he wouldn't do the trilogy fight. You know, it's like he's the most popular boxer right now, and you guys are fucking blading them. It, it makes no sense. But KSI versus Logan Paul is like holy shit. Ugh. Uh, anyway, let's move on to um, Tyson. But just imagine the kids. <laughs> oh, they're going to be huge Billy Joe Saunders fans now. Oh, for sure. Guess <laughs> what? They named this opponent today. And oh, yeah, you should have seen YouTube almost blew up when they announced uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> the kids couldn't. They were so excited to hear that Billy Joe Saunders is an opponent. Uh, I, I wish I knew some Twitch channels because I would make some jokes. Like Ninja yep. made a video. <laughs> yeah, he's on Mixer now, though. Yeah. Um, have we talked about the Mixer stuff on the podcast? I don't think we have. It's not important. You made a joke once about it. But I think we, we're not talking about no, it. And like nobody got it because <laughs> yeah, nobody knows what Mixer is, but it was a really good joke <laughs> if was, you knew what Mixer was. Anyway, um, Tyson Fury showed up on the premiere of SmackDown on Fox, which uh, did 3.8 million viewers, peaking at over four. Um, still got crushed by Blue Bloods in the ratings. I, I like, was like, what is? I, I was looking at the ratings. I'm like, what is Blue Bloods? Oh, I know. That's I Tom thought that Selleck was a tag show. team. No, and Donnie with, Wahlberg with uh, William Stephen Regal. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's I barely know wrestling anymore, and that's a name I remember. <laughs> it's because I always remember those pretentious names, even if I'm not following wrestling. William Steven Regal. The guy's probably from like Cleveland or something. No, I think he's legit British. Like his lips are purple. That's how you know he's British. Yeah. William Regal looks like he just got out of the pool that he was in way too long and it was way too cold. He he looks like uh like the way they they did the makeup at the end of the Titanic when they were just floating in the ocean. Sounds like a blocked artery. He's probably another wrestler <laughs> won't make it to 50. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Tyson Fury started an angle with Braun Strowman. Um, and then he appeared on Raw as well. Um, you think that um, ESPN is doing a really good job uh, using all of their resources to get Terrence Crawford on TMZ Sports? <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Because we don't need to talk about Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury showing up on, on SmackDown on Fox. It's it's great. It's a natural, um, you know, it's natural. Tyson Fury, great on the mic. Um, he's he's a big guy. He's agile enough. I think he could put on a match, um, especially if he's got somebody who knows how to work with him. Um, it, it's, it's just a natural thing for Fury to do. And I don't even think, like, this is a promotional thing for his fight with Wilder, which obviously this will serve to do really well to promote that fight. But, like, in terms of Fury having a future outside of boxing, like, why not? Why not? Oh, uh, yeah. He could yeah, become an yeah. attraction. Yeah. You know, because that's it. He'd be the kind of guy I'd be good at. Especially, uh, like I said, I don't know too much about wrestling these days, but a lot of guys aren't as good as they used to on, like, uh, cutting a promo and everything. Here we go. Yeah. But, well, look at that. I only know from what Twitter tells me. Okay. What's Twitter telling <laughs> so, you? Oh, everybody, every every generation hates. You know, they say everything sucks now. But like the, I don't know. People were talking about the Rock coming back. You know, like the Rock. That's what I knew about the Rock. He he cut a promo. You know, he he was a good salesman. He got people worked up. Well, but some of these guys now, paid actor in Hollywood. You best believe the dude knows what he's doing. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, so I'm saying no. I'm saying Fury's the type of guy 
you could get him rambling about stuff as long as he doesn't start talking about the Jews and the Zionist control of the media and the World Banks. And no, everything. I think that would work <laughs> in in that environment. No, that would. Uh, no, Vince would have used that in the eighties. You know, for I, sure. I, he there was a, an angle, and uh, I don't know what year it was, maybe two thousand and three, where like Triple H cut this like twenty nine minute promo on Booker T, who uh, you know is a person of color. And Triple H was like, you know, people like you don't get to be like me. People like you don't get to win the title. You know, he talked about his nappy hair, told him dance for me, oh all this God. stuff. So you're saying <laughs> that the that company, you're saying the company that right allowed point? that to be on their airwaves, the company that continued, like, signed this 10-year deal with, with Saudi Arabia to bring, uh, I don't know, I... Uh, a propaganda vehicle to that country. You're telling me that they wouldn't love uh, t- uh, Tyson Fury in his raw, natural form? Oh, yeah, 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 I guess. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> He'll probably, he should be the guy fighting in Saudi Arabia, maybe. Uh, With their <laughs> lack of drug testing that. policy, I think Tyson Fury would go along great. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm saying yes. No, um, like I said, this is, this is, this is very fucking strange i'll say that much i you know like i understand how tyson fury fits in to fox but it's really fucking strange that he's on fox promoting like getting he's getting put over by the wwe you know and fox and he signed to espn as talent yeah or is he like that's the thing about his contracts obviously not that binding if they just let him go to and he's, they're giving fox ratings well but i so first of all Hold on, hold on. What you just said there was incredibly stupid. Tyson Fury didn't give Fox ratings. There's not a single person that tuned in for just Tyson Fury. Stop that. Those people watched on Twitter and YouTube. Nobody sat through two, three-hour show uh, through that Becky Lynch promo. You're just heated because I suggested it. The WWE can't carry on its own anymore. What are you? T- are you kidding me? I'm like, I feel like I'm in a fucking <laughs> melter fucking podcast. They, they are so confident that. How many stars would you give that? Who? Uh, here's here's a question. Who got booed more? The uh, Golovkin at when the decision after um, he started talking in the post fight interview, or the finish of uh, the pay per view on Saturday Sunday. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't. I was watching football. I think I was loaded too. I was drunk at the bar someday. Uh, so they did a yeah, pay per view, Hell in a Cell, and uh, oh, okay. apparently, like the the finish was so bad that just fans booed and, and chanted <laughs> AEW. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I don't know. I told you the last thing I saw in wrestling was some kind of documentary on Kane, and all these guys are cross-eyed. <laughs> Like, what's happening in wrestling? Okay, so it was a cage match, Hell in a Cell, and they did a DQ finish, is what I'm being told. Guys aren't workers anymore, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, it was IRS's son. Yeah, but but the, here you go. Uh, just on a bigger thing, like yeah, it's just really weird that yeah, he's on Fox, and and uh, somebody posted something where like he's going to be like a major part of the storyline in Saudi Arabia, is the rumor. Oh, is it? So they're doing a show in October 
Um, yeah, they're like they're holding a press conference. T Mobile about Brock and uh, Strawman or whoever and Tyson Fury. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what his name is, but yeah, it's just like all these shit, you know. So yeah, someone's putting them over. So. Yeah, the sure as fuck is an ESPN. <laughs> I think what's happening is that Saudi Arabia is trying to collect all the heavyweights. And uh, this was the only way that they could figure out a way to get Tyson Fury over there. Because Bob Arum isn't stupid. Yeah, he's not going to let him anywhere. That's why, that's why Andy Ruiz isn't with Top Rank anymore. Bob Arum cut him loose. Oh, um, I see. Or maybe they're like, because like the, the rumor is that the, the, the crown prince or whatever in Saudi Arabia, we're definitely going to get like a drone sent over us from the Saudi government. But, um, so the Saudi Arabian, like there's this dude, I guess that's a fan and he's the one who brought over WWE. I could totally be perpetuating like some nonsense story, but whatever, let's roll with it. So apparently like he's, he was a big fan of, he's a big fan, except he was a big fan like years ago. So the guy's a little out of touch and he's like, all right, well, here's my request list for who, um, I want on the pay-per-view that you're bringing to Saudi Arabia. And they're like, okay. And they're like, Undertaker. They're like, we could do that. <laughs> they're like, and we want to see uh, we want to see AJ Styles. They're like, yep, definitely. We'll bring AJ over. And then they're like, he's like, Yokozuna. And they're like, <laughs> um, uh, how much are you paying us? Millions? Mantar. And so uh, they're Terry like, Funk. we can do that. So they legitimately went and they found some Japanese sumo wrestler and they just threw him in there and he just like they trotted him out. No. Way. Oh, I, I I don't care if that's not true. It's going to be true for me. No, I it's seriously, it is true. It's true that I'm I'm repeating what someone said. It's whether or yeah, not no, they're right. Yeah, I don't I don't care. That's, if it's that's true. a different thing. But this, oh, yeah, this is yeah. true. I saw on Twitter like the Hulkster's going over there or something. But, yeah, yeah, the Hulkster's going over there. Like there's there's like so the guy just keeps requesting all these guys like I don't know what they're going to do when he requests Chris Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that Saudi Arabia would be comfortable with him. <laughs> I, I think they let women in the building and that wouldn't be good if he did that, you know, the, the yeah. gimmick where he kisses uh, a female in the crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be in trouble. Uh, yeah, but... Um, <sighs> What was our so even point? We sort the, of went off there. The no, but there is a legit thing that they're requesting boxing and MMA guys. So since they couldn't get more than Fury or sorry Joshua and Ruiz to go over there, um, they're like, well, you know, could you slide Tyson Fury in? Uh, that's why they got um, not Lorenzo Kane. What is I don't know what the the MMA guy's last name is, but his first name is Kane. Kane Velasquez. Oh, I thought his last name was Kane. Actually, okay, yeah, not Will Kane. Okay. Kane Velasquez. So I don't know. I guess he's a big deal. Maybe he's gonna. Uh, he used to be. Yeah, he was like the heavyweight champion. He's always injured. Now he's in uh, wrestling. I think. Yeah. So he's he's coming over. So maybe they're gonna do a rematch between him and Brock. Oh, that's what I think they're building up to. Yeah. I'm being told that Kane Velasquez is the guy, the guy who beat Brock for the UFC belt. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's got a dad bod. So he's got some. Yeah, but they don't do drug testing in WWE as evident <laughs> from had. Brock Lesnar. So <laughs> if he's as long as he signs a part time deal, he's free to get himself back into shape. I don't know. Yeah, this is the whole weirdness of Saudi Arabia. 
we know that sports washing stuff. But but it was also weird because that UFC card was on there, and they're like, "Hey, do you like wine? Well, you should go see this area, Australia." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they're gonna get there. Australia? Yeah, yeah, because Australia, the, the, the government, Australia gave UFC five million dollars to put their cards on there. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about. Um, I thought you were talking about uh, Saudi Arabia. Still. No, no, like, but I'm just saying it's sort of the same. Uh, these governments are given these, you know, these outlets money just to put on fights there, and I just, I don't, I don't know, it's weird. That yeah. was Tyson. Tyson Fury tweeting in Arabic, so he must be going. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can meet up with his pals in uh, from uh, you know, MTK Global. I thought you were gonna say some other place. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> What's the place? Uh, Palestine. Would, would those oh, yeah, be? Would yeah, he yeah. be friendly with those people? Are the people no, from there? No, not no, those no, people? I don't know. Everyone hates the Palestinians. Yeah. No, but Tyson Fury hates a different type of people. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Close there. Yeah. Israel. So. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So. The the, the the main topic is like okay way what, off script what does this have to do like how is this gonna impact the wilder fight uh it i don't know you know it, it at least puts fury a little bit more out there you know so they don't really have to sell both of them you know so it's it, it might help the fight but you never know like I think I, said, I don't know. I I don't know what the passive, the, how these passive viewers, if they'll turn to active viewers for the, the the boxing match. The the thing about Fury that is is going to be really tough is that if you look up his highlights, you're not going to find much to be impressed with. So even uh, if yeah. you gain a passing interest in Tyson Fury, you tune in like not impressive. Yeah, he's, so he's, then a, what? he's he's a big giant bastard that works a jab. So yeah. That's it. So, this is, so no, but again, yeah, like uh, we're saying, this is more than ESPN has done. <laughs> you know, that's like ESPN has a contract with almost every single sports league in the world, and they they're not pushing any of their guys like this on this platform. You know. Yeah, and I, and I think um, the, the thing also to consider is that it helps Wilder because when you look up Tyson Fury you look up Wilder their their names are linked because of the close fight that they have and the fact that they're due to fight each other and i think this while it would have been I, I i bet it would have been interesting to have Wilder in this situation given he's fighting Luis Ortiz i don't think it was feasible and they looked at what other heavyweight we could do Andy Ruiz can't do it because he's got to get ready for Anthony Joshua well Tyson Fury is just sitting at home waiting for for his cut to heal <sighs> Uh, yeah, yeah. It just uh, you don't want to make it into too much of a gimmick, because then it's, it's just like because there are a lot of people. Everything's a yeah. Gimmick. There's a lot of people that don't like wrestling too, so they're just gonna go eh. So so that's weird. So that's weird. Like this is kind of fun for everything. Tyson Fury gets his name out there, but I don't think I don't think you want to start tying in all your boxers into WWE. Do you know that Floyd is undefeated in WWE? Yeah, yeah, then he beat was that the big show he beat up or something? Yeah, he legit beat him up. Yeah, he broke his nose or something with the chair or something. Wasn't that the story? <laughs> that that would be brutal if Floyd had uh, had beat uh, <laughs> or broken Big Show's nose with a chair. <laughs> no, he punched him. <laughs> oh, he punched him. I thought it was a chair. So yeah, I'm he punched him. Punching. Like I said, the last the last the last time I was an active participant, I was a kid. So. 
Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think it's it it, it helps. I think just getting boxing, uh, just having boxing be a presence in other sports, like it is with the NFL, what Fox is doing, um, and and during the MLB playoffs, and now um, during uh, SmackDown, I think it really serves to just kind of get boxing's awareness up. Now, how many fans does that convert? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's good for the awareness on some level, but that's what I'm saying. You, you want to be kind of careful because you don't want your boxing to start to be seen as a bit of a joke, you know. And that's where it can start to be if, if you get too close to the wrestling. You know, like uh, it is cool. Yeah, it's cool yeah. that wrestling guys are around, but I'm just saying it, that's just my take on it. Like NFL, those are like, those are legitimate sports, you know. So you tie in the NFL, I think you do a lot better. Uh, getting NFL people in there. I, I think the the point that you, um, I guess, said another way is boxing has this stigma that it may not be on the up and up. And by being associated <laughs> with the WWE, it kind <laughs> of... What do you think the matches are real or something there? How, how, how far down the well have you gone? <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that Andy Ruiz didn't really beat up Anthony Joshua? <laughs> no. <laughs> or you're telling me that it's your, that it's your wrestling angle that, that Tyson Fury so really could to... take out a group of uh, referees? Yeah. No, I'm not saying. Yeah, it, it's just like I said. It, it's good. It's, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, well, it's other... good for Fox. I think you know. Sure, Fox is living large uh, in 2019. They reduced well, their costs. Yeah, especially because essentially I think they're paying the WWE the same amount of money they're paying uh, UFC, like two hundred five million. I think so. It's, it's roughly in the that's what I've seen on the the, the chatter world. So yeah, so if FS one now is have you been using Salesforce or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm <laughs> tapped in, man. I'm, I'm a mover and shaker. So yeah, so their ratings, if they're they're pretty much getting like, of course it'll start to tail off, you know. Apparently, Saudis, the Saudis are paying uh, Fury and Kane, not Fox, not WWE. What do you think about that? Well, so all that Saudi money, I guess they got to do something to get people there and live a high life of not doing anything. Yeah, go see your, (laughs) go see the historic drone strikes (laughs) from (laughs) Iran or something. Uh, I'm not even. Yeah, we're we're all over the map. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's good for Fury, good for Fox, but essentially Fox. So now they replace UFC with. Uh, now this is where the same cost for the, the WWE, and they're getting far bigger ratings. So this just helps Fox continue again, tying everything together, you know, and they get boxing at a, at a cheapness. And they said they want to do four to five pay per views, so you're going to see the big fights. Yeah, I think. Some of what I said is just speculation, okay? I don't I don't really know. Um but it seems like it does line up. The Saudis are are handling the extra cost for non-signed WWE talent. Maybe Kane um uh doesn't fit into that because he he does legitimately um I think I heard somewhere that he'd actually begun training for real and that he would be making that transition. Um Tyson Fury not obviously making that transition yet. Apparently he was uh, Kane did like some Mexican uh, WrestleMania type show. Yeah, and I've, I've seen clips just on Twitter randomly where like he's actually 
he was in like legitimate wrestling matches. Oh yeah, did he, what was his finisher? Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch that much. It was just Twitter things. But he was actually jumping around, which is kind of surprising because his back is like one of his biggest issues in in MMA. Yeah, but Shawn Michaels uh, also had a back problem. Yeah, well, you know, look at him now. <laughs> Dude's eyes are like. Also, I'm not sure you know this, but it's not real. Like Kevin Farmer. Oh no way. <laughs> Um, uh, so for the fights this weekend, we don't have too much because, uh, uh, Alexander Ushik's, um, you know, dangerous opponent, Tyrone Sprong, um, Sprong. he failed the drug test. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that drug um, test, that, 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 that test annoyed me too. So in steps, Chaz Witherspoon, who's not been, uh, a, you know, a notable boxer, um, in the championship level since, like, what, 2011? So, eight years ago? Like, how... Yeah, but it, it's just like, this could be another, you know, Andy Ruiz story. Yeah. No one thought Andy Ruiz could beat up, uh, uh, whatever. Yeah, what, the big thing about Witherspoon, what is he suspended for? Because people say he has, like, a suspended suspension still active and... I don't know. He's suspended by the Pennsylvania Athletic Commission till uh, November 20th. Is that just like from a uh, contact or something? Because he, f- <laughs> that seems weird. Possibly a contact thing, but it's it's uh, it's in Chicago or Illinois, I guess would be the commission. Yeah, um, yeah. People are people are saying, oh yeah, they're gonna let him go ahead and everything, but uh, uh yeah. So Spong failed for clomiphene, which uh, people still won't believe me. Tom had to duck out, and I was going to blast him on this one because he's retweeting bad information. Shout out to Patrons Chat, where uh, Fred decides to put Tom on blast in front of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Just just having fun. Uh, Yeah, so so people are using clomiphene by itself. And because on the steroid forums, people think it's like a. Oh, if you're using clomiphene, that means you're using testosterone. But no, they use it themselves because the guys are trying to find, because the testing for synthetic steroids has gotten so good, they're trying to find ways to raise their natural testosterone. And clomiphene will do that. And actually, Smyrtle just published a recent one where they did a test on people and showing just clomiphene alone uh, will raise your testosterone by like 150% on average. And it, you don't get the you don't get any of the side effects because it actually like it, it'll it'll uh, improve your uh, like sperm counts and everything like that, just because it's a different way. Um, it's an interesting thing it, for anyone into the maybe doping. Sprong just wanted to shoot up the club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, it, no, it's just a, it's a very interesting bad thing timing, you know, before a fight. Yeah. Because how like like testosterone? See, like juicers did use it because when you use synthetic testosterone. Even though guys try to cycle off, it'll still screw up your your natural production. So that's what they try to do. And they think, well, if I use this, it'll, it'll fix it. And it usually doesn't. It just fucks them up. So clomiphene is just for, from a different thing. Uh, it's very interesting, but no one usually gives a shit about this stuff. So Maybe he was too tough of an opponent for um, Ushik. Uh, yeah. Ushik, who I like. But, I uh, do too. <sighs> this competition like he's like uh he gets in there i want to fight joshua fury and wilder but you're gonna start with Chaz witherspoon <laughs> yeah he's like sprung is out get me wilder it's like mm. interesting that the promoter got Chaz witherspoon either they really don't have any money to be paying people 
or they are not taking any risks with with Ushik. Yeah, that uh, it, it's it, it seemed like a weird opponent. Who was supposed to be Carlos Takam first? It was supposed to be Takam. Then it was Sprong. Now Witherspoon. One more fight away from uh, getting like Tig. Oh, I lost the joke. God damn it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, anyway, um, th- this fight is on Saturday. Also, we have Josh Warrington facing, um, let me try to say this, Sofiane Takuch. Okay. <laughs> if, you, by if, the you, silence if you're there, looking for help, I we can, are I thrilled about this one. Josh Warrington coming off of the biggest win of his career against Carl Frampton. And how does he follow this up? By fighting Sofiane Takuch. Anything you want to say about this card? How interested you are in it? Um, how you'll uh, be watching on ESPN who's Plus? Who's airing this one? ESPN Plus and BT Sport. Oh, God. Well, thankfully, it's uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, so I won't be around this Saturday. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So somehow I'll have to go on without seeing this match of the ages. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's just such a, that's such a downgrade. It's like, God, it's what? I don't know. Oh, you know what? I forgot that Warrington actually fought Kid Galahad in his last fight. Oh, yeah. That is true. See, there are certain fights. There's so much boxing going on where it's easy to forget now what happens. I mean, Fred, you know back in the day, like, I'll name you at least 80% of the undercard of, of a random top rank fight. Yeah, yeah. And now I can't it's... do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're losing your edge. I mean, I, like, back then I was like, yeah, I'll spend eight hours watching top TV before we go live on HBO. But now it's like, well, I could do that, but I also have the PBC prelims that I could watch. And I also have the British card from the morning. I don't have the time anymore to, to I mean, I don't know who has the time to watch all of that. You're never going to watch those British cards. Don't lie. Come on. I used to <laughs> only, only if Archie sharps on we, that, that is true. Archie sharp favorite. Anyway, that's the fights this weekend, and that is this week's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back in a few days. We will break down Oleksandr Ushik's uh, win over Chaz Witherspoon, which should probably be like two rounds. And then we'll also and then we'll talk about how Ushik is the most spectacular heavyweight in the world, possibly the only threat really uh, to the belts being unified. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how Josh Warrington uh, really needs to to fight. I don't know, Oscar Valdez or something. That'll be on the next episode. So thanks for listening. We will be back.